AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, folks. Thanks for joining us here on AOA. I'm Mike Pearson filling in for Mike Adams, but he will be back in the big chair tomorrow. We've got a very busy day happening well across the countryside. We've got combines running in the field. We've got Washington, D.C. with all sorts of things going on, and therefore we've got a big show for you today. We're going to be talking first about a methane fee that is potentially being included here in this massive budget reconciliation bill. Then we're going to talk about the World Dairy Expo happening right now in Madison, Wisconsin. Then we're going to talk to Jackie Fatka. She's the policy policy editor at Farm Progress. We're going to hear what is happening in D.C. both on Thursday and on Friday, at least what's to be expected to come out of D.C. And finally, we're going to head up to Minnesota, Goodhue County, Minnesota, in fact, to take a look at Harvest Progress on the farm of Ryan Buck. But first, let's dig in. We're still learning more and more about what all is included in this budget reconciliation bill. And there is a fee proposed in this bill that is going to hit oil and gas producers. To shed a little light on this, I've invited Edward Cross, the president of the Kansas Independent and Oil and Gas Association, to join us. Edward, bring us up to speed. What are they proposing here in this reconciliation bill? Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate being on here today. Uh, Yes, we've uh, been talking to many policymakers about the methane fee that's included in the reconciliation bill and, you know, a a fee on on the methane emissions from the uh, oil and gas industry, even though uh, the oil and gas industry has been reducing those emissions uh, significantly for the last decade. Well, that's the thing. This is an additional fee. They're not looking to modify any of the regulatory pressures. They're just looking to add a, I believe it's $1,800 a ton fee for methane emissions. Is that right? That's correct. It's $1,800 after they, uh, you know, they get the, the geological provinces and they get an average of methane uh, emissions from those uh, areas. And then they want to uh, put a $1,800 per ton fee on that. And, uh, you know, it's almost impossible for them to distinguish whether it's from oil and gas or from other sources. Well, let's talk about that in a little more detail, because, of course, a lot of industries emit methane, oil and gas, agriculture as well. But this is specifically targeted just to oil and gas producers. What does that mean for the industry? Yes, that's one of the things about the methane fee. It does target oil and gas, not just all uh, uh, methane emissions, which, uh, you know, is, that's really kind of is indicative of the goal of targeting oil and gas industry. But for the uh, small producers here in Kansas, for example, that is a significant uh, costly impact uh, for the uh, producers here in Kansas, you know, where our average well is about two and a half barrels per day. Uh, and, and yet it's the second largest industry in state in terms of gross state product. So it's a big economic driver, but they're small wells. And, and a, a methane emission fee uh, would be detrimental to many producers. Edward, if you would, tell us a little bit about what the industry has done to reduce methane, because, of course, this is one of those gases that is alleged to be contributing to climate change. It's a greenhouse gas. And you folks have been working to address it. What have you done or what have you seen happen in the industry for methane? Yes, you know, there's been lots of technological advancements in uh, oil and gas industry over the last decade. And we see a 70% reduction in emissions, methane emissions in the oil and gas industry over the last 10 years. And, you know, recently there was a third-party study done by the U.S. Department of Energy on methane emissions from marginal wells, in other words, small producing wells across the country, including Kansas, and they found no quantifiable uh, releases of methane from either wells or uh, tank batteries. So I think the oil and gas industry, especially the small producers, have done a great job of reducing the methane emissions. I might add also the EPA has regulations on the uh, methane emissions and they're looking to expand those regulations. And it just isn't right for uh, policymakers to also put a a fee on top of the uh, regulations that they already are imposing. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, they're asking the industry to do all these different things. They're making the rules for the industry to do all these different things. And then this seems as though they're just going to throw an additional tax right on the top of it. I've got to imagine that's going to reduce overall oil and gas production here, at least in the short term. It, it will. Or, uh, it will reduce oil and gas production, and it really the real loser on that is the American consumer because it just means energy costs are going to go up, and it's going to really hurt those that can least afford it, uh, you know, low-income families that would depend on energy to keep their homes and, and uh, do their daily lives. The energy costs are going to go up. They are going to go up, and this is where this is trickling into agriculture because we've talked on Adams on Agriculture for the past several weeks about the energy crunch that's happening. Well, really, around the world, we're seeing natural gas prices rise to levels we haven't seen in quite a few years, and now all of that trickles into nitrogen production, that trickles into drying down our crops at the end of the season. What can be done about this fee as it stands right now? It hasn't passed as of yet. Edward, what's your take on this thing getting to the finish line? Well, you know, last week I was in Washington. We talked to a lot of policymakers about that and give them reasons why that should not be included in the reconciliation package. So not only uh, us, but many others are also working to, uh, to uh, inform and educate policymakers why that's bad policy and shouldn't be put uh, forward through the reconciliation bill. So we're hopeful that we'll continue to uh, uh, educate and and uh, get the policymakers to see that that is bad policy and, and not include that in the reconciliation package. Well, Edward, I mean, in your conversation with the folks in Washington, D.C., I know this uh, the oil and gas industry is huge nationwide. Are they listening when you talk about this potentially harming jobs in an era where finding labor is a challenge? Yes, I think that resonates well with them, you know, and the fact that this is going to push energy costs up uh, for uh, for everyone, and and you know for very little gain in in, uh, in the benefit because the industry is already doing a great job of reducing emissions. When you look at the world, the United States emissions continue to fall, whereas other countries, uh, like especially China and India, for example, their emissions continue to go up. So, so yeah, we are already the America already leads the world. In emission reduction. And so that now it's just harming the economy by putting additional fees and regulations on our industry. And it sounds like in addition to harming the economy through higher costs, this could motivate some energy producers to move from natural gas, which, you know, looking at the greenhouse gases seems to be a cleaner burning form of energy production towards cheaper fuels like coal, which would, would seem to undo what they're looking to do with this thing. That's exactly right. I mean, one of the reasons we've had uh, 70% reduction in, in uh, emissions uh, from the oil and gas industry and, and the United States emissions in general have been going down is because they switched to a natural gas for power generation uh, from coal. So, uh, you know, by, by putting these uh, additional regulations on and, and fees on the natural gas production, it could make them turn to more less expensive sources, which could be or other things that have other emissions. Lots of things to keep an eye on, folks. If this reconciliation bill bothers you, get in touch with your Congress people. Edward Cross, president of the Kansas Independent Oil and Gas Association, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And when we come back, we'll look at the World Dairy Expo up in Madison. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. When it comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way. With its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new, and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson here sitting in for Mike Adams. We're going to take a trip up to Madison, Wisconsin via the radio. There's a big crowd up there this week as the World Dairy Expo 2021 is underway. Joining me for this segment is Corey Geiger. Corey is the managing editor at Hordes Dairyman, and he's a board member there at the World Dairy Expo. Corey, how are crowds so far at the Dairy Expo? Well, I'll tell you this, I'm uh, outside here, it's, it's sunny here in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, the, the cow shows are, are taking place right now, started at 8 in the morning again here at the five-day event, and people are excited to gather once again. As you know, uh, World Dairy Expo and a lot of major shows didn't take place last year because of the pandemic. Yeah, so it's good to be back in person, probably a lot of seeing old friends again as they're wandering around the grounds up there. There, yes, absolutely, and there's so much great technology on display here. The uh, the trade show is nearly full, and uh, the the only group that's probably a little absent here in a normal year, we have a lot of international visitors here as well. Uh, so most of the attendees here are from the United States. There's some small contingents from some of the international countries, but uh, certainly this is the world's gathering place, and uh, a lot of great conversations taking place throughout the trade show and uh, the dairy cattle pavilions in the show arena. Corey, when I think about dairy over this past year, I mean, it has been a whipsaw in terms of pricing, particularly here in the United States. It has been a challenge in terms of labor. What are the attendees kind of most excited about as you're seeing folks go through the trade show and talking to exhibitors? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, dairy, dairy men and dairy women are coming here, and if, if the company has a dairy or excuse me, a labor-saving technology, they are all ears. Now, these come with costs, of course, but uh, we're farmers from coast to coast. They're, they're looking for ways to, uh, to get things done on the farm, and so that's probably one of the number one conversations that I see taking place as I've walked around the show here that opened on Tuesday morning. 
So, Corey, when I think labor saving on a dairy farm, I think of robotics. What else is out there to help folks uh, save on some of their those labor requirements for running a dairy farm? Well, certainly robotics uh, from the milking end, whether it be a box-style robot or a rotary parlor that are, that are coming on the scene here, that, that's certainly on top of the list. But there's, there's so many other sensor technologies that are uh, useful, too. And you, you don't need to have a robotic milker to, uh, to have a tracking system for our cows that you know, can track activity or, or temperature or rumination and these things and give farmers an early alert that, hey, that cow has higher activity. She may be an estrus, it's time to breed, or that activity is slowing down here. Boy, we better take a look at her and see if she's going to, uh, if she's coming down with an illness. What, what we do know is cows, when they're not feeling well, they will reduce activity, before, you know, 24 hours probably before you really, the eyeball sees that something's wrong. So those are some ways. And then, um, you know, what fans and misters and all the cooling devices we have, so much of that can be linked up electronically now and you run from a smartphone uh and in the feeding application area here there's so many uh feeding tracking systems here that you can do electronic uh way and uh let's get in the, the feed and the system scale when a commodity load comes in so it's, it's beyond robots and it's really uh changing uh dairy farming that Internet of Things technology just continues to impress with the number of things and the different factors it can track on each individual farm. And, you know, Corey, you've got more going on up there at the Dairy Expo than just the trade show. Of course, you've got educational events happening throughout the day. I know you're giving a program today. You're talking about the changing landscape of milk marketers and processors. And this is something, again, that has been in the news, especially since the coronavirus pandemic hit. We've seen the processing world turned upside down. What are you going to talk about today? Well, we're going to look at the uh, the big picture here at 30,000 foot view. And you're absolutely right uh, that the past 18 months have been so topsy-turvy. But the long-term projection for U.S. dairy is, has been a growth mode here. And uh, in the past 20, 20 years, milk production in the United States is actually up 33%. Now, making milk is one thing, but then our do people want it? Do consumers want it? And we know from USDA data here that since 1980 to the present, the average American, so that's all of the citizens across this country, are now consuming 100 more pounds of milk in form of dairy products. What's changed, though, is people aren't drinking as much milk anymore. Quite frankly, uh, dairy milk, food milk, drank out of a glass, that's been on a 62-year slide, sadly. But all other products, cheese, butter, yogurt, ice cream, when you bundle them together, they are up 71% since 1975. And, and the head of the leaderboard is mozzarella because it married cheese. All right, married <laughs> pizza, excuse me. <laughs> Well, I know I'm doing my part to eat a lot of mozzarella on pizzas. You know, Corey, what are you seeing? How does this impact milk pricing? Of course, when we report pricing here on our, our market news updates, we always talk about class three milk. What does that mean for cheese producers and butter producers? How does it trickle down the supply chain? Yep. You know, cheese and butter and uh, the skim milk powder are some of the main pro and whey are really the four big ones that we track in class three categories, certainly uh, cheese. And so that trickle down is, you know, where, where are those products going and, and how are they being consumed? And again, cheese has been such a big driver here. When you look at mozzarella alone, think about this. 1977, Jimmy Carter is president of the United States. We're at 2.5 pounds of mozzarella. And fast forward to this year, we're at 12.5. So that has been, uh, and people are looking for convenience. Uh, the other thing that's happened in, in milk markets here, at least the composition of the milk. So butterfat for almost the, uh, from 1965 to about 10 years ago, the average butterfat in the national bulk tank, if you will, if you put all the milk together, was in a tight window of 3.65% to 3.7%. Very small range here, and remarkably tight. In the past 10 years, Butterfat has almost approached 4%. It's at 3.95%. And, and that's almost at the record level. What does that wow. mean? You, say, you, talk about, you talk about trickle down. 
farmers are responding. So a lot of co-ops and processors right now have uh, supply constrictions on. You, you can only ship so many pounds of milk. But farmers, except for the southeast, uh, Florida and Appalachia, but everywhere else over, I think it's 88% of the milk in the United States is priced on components. What are the two big components? Butter fat and protein. And so that's why farmers are responding in their milk checks because that protein and butter fat is worth more because consumers are eating their dairy products. Corey, you've taken the time to travel really across the world, and dairy is an export business. We think of Canada, the USMCA. Of course, dairy was a huge component in getting that across the finish line. You talk about what's happening in the U.S. as we're eating so much more cheese. Are we seeing similar trends play out around the world? So what we're seeing is when people in the middle class of of these uh, countries, think Vietnam or uh, China or um, in the, the MENA countries, Middle East and North Africa, when they have a little bit more money, they want to eat a higher quality dairy protein or uh, a butter fat. And so that's where dairy enters the diet. And really, uh, the U.S. Dairy Export Council was founded in 1994, and the U.S. was not even a player in the export market. We were, we were on the sidelines, really. And since that time, we have grown our dairy export footprint a great deal. Today, right now, every U.S. cow five or six days a month is producing a product for the export market. That's how much dairy exports have grown. And um, I'll be going on a trade mission here in November to the United Arab Emirates. And uh, the Middle East has been a growing market for U.S. dairy products. And when we think about the Middle East, are they buying fluid milk? Are they buying products like cheese or yogurt? How are they getting U.S. dairy? So a lot of these are, are dry products or what we would call hard products or shelf-stable products. That, you know, I'm sure everybody's aware of all the issues on ports and getting things in and products in from countries and how, you know, the delays are two to three weeks. You've got container ships sitting on the Pacific Ocean. So a lot of this, we got to get a refrigerated, uh, you know, shipping container. But a lot of this is cheese, butter, a lot of skim milk powder. Whey powder has become uh, very... Uh, important and desirable and and so whey the amino pro, pro, uh, acids and whey are the most complete protein known to man and they're using it in other products it may be uh, sports bars or uh, other items that uh, help people with muscle mass Fantastic. Utilizing that quality all-around protein, getting it out there to the world, folks. The World Dairy Expo goes on until Saturday. If you've got questions, if you want to get yourself there, visit their website at worlddairyexpo.com. Corey, thanks so much for talking to us today. Have a great day. You too. And we'll be back with Policy with Jackie Fatka. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. There are some market movers happening in the market today, end of month, end of quarter, and the quarterly USDA stocks report. Ethanol production for the week ending September 24th was down 1.3% from the prior week and up 3.75% from last year. Stocks were up 0.54% from last week and up 2.69% from last year. Estimated corn used in production was 92.79 million bushels. On the Board of Trade this morning, 
morning, December corn is trading six and a fraction higher at 545. The March contract trading five and three quarters higher at 552 and three quarters. For soybeans, the November contract trading eight and a fraction higher at 1291 and three quarters. January up seven and a half cent at 1301. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading eight and three quarters higher at 719. The Kansas City wheat December contract trading eight cents higher at 719 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December up six and a fraction at 909 and a half cent. The March contract trading six and three quarters higher at 897. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning following light to moderate trade in most areas yesterday. Asking prices for cattle left on show lists are around $124 to $125 in the south and about $199 plus in the north. For live cattle futures on the board of trade, the October contract trading 30 cents lower at 121.47. The December contract down 45 at 126.60. For feeder cattle, October down a dollar at 153.62. November down a dollar 25 at 154.02. In lean hogs, the October contract trading a dollar 25 higher at 92.05. December up a dollar 67 at 85.30. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 51 points. The Nasdaq composite up 72. The S&P 500 up six. The U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson filling in for Mike Adams. We sure do appreciate you taking the time to tune in to us today. There's always something happening in agriculture and we here at AOA want to keep you up to speed. Well, there's always something happening, it seems, in Washington, D.C., or at least things can happen quickly when they decide to happen. We're going to talk about what all is going on in D.C. Jackie Fatka, the policy editor for Farm Progress, is joining us this morning. And Jackie, it's Thursday, September 30th, the end of the fiscal year for Uncle Sam. We're going to fund the government today. Is that what you're hearing? You know, that's what that's what we're hoping. And there's some good indications that could happen. Now, never mind that we've known September 30th was going to happen today forever, right? So um, classic, classic, leave to the last minute. We'll see what we can push through uh, the way the government seems to work these days. Yeah, yeah. September 30th, this shouldn't be a surprise. It, it ends every year on September 30th. But the goal today is for the folks in Congress to get a continuing resolution passed by midnight Thursday in order to prevent a government shutdown starting tomorrow. Right. And uh, it, it started a couple of weeks ago in the House. The House tried to add in a debt ceiling component to the continuing resolution and Senate Republicans uh, said, no, we're not going to sign on to that. You've got to do it separate. And so there's this kind of back and forth between House Democrats and Senate Republicans of, of trying to will their way of, of how to proceed in a lot of flying pieces that include this continuing resolution on keeping the government funded, as well as increasing the debt re the debt ceiling, which will be something of concern here in the next couple of weeks, as well as these huge priorities from the Democrats with their reconciliation package, which they're now kind of trying to call their Build Back Better Act. 
And then also the bipartisan infrastructure plan, which was several months and we uh, of work between the White House and both folks on both sides of the aisle in the in the Senate, but but not as well liked in the House, uh, controlled by the Democrats. So we've got a lot of interparty division. We've got a lot of division between Senate Republicans and and uh, and House Republicans even on the infrastructure. I mean, there is a, about every possible way you can make this complicated, it is. It certainly is. And for a while, it seemed as though the infrastructure bill was being tied up by the reconciliation. The progressive members of the, the House Democrats didn't want to do reconciliation after the infrastructure bill. But then Nancy Pelosi swapped that yesterday. And does it sound like we could get a vote on the infrastructure package as a standalone vote here in the next couple of days? So, yes. Now, whether that will pass, I don't think they have the votes. Um, and so, you know, there is a slim majority in the House of Democrats and really only three Democrats can depart uh, from the leadership in a way and, and still be able to advance a bill. So there's really not a lot of cushion. So if you've got some progressive Democrats who say the infrastructure bill has to be tied to passage of the reconciliation bill, then all of a sudden, if they decide, no, we're not going to pass this until we have a solid agreement with, sometimes he's he's called the president himself, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, a Democrat, but much more moderate one, who was part of the folks who were negotiating in good faith that bipartisan infrastructure package. And so there's really this ideologic diff ideological difference between whether this infrastructure bill should go separate from the reconciliation. And so, yes, we'll see if those progressive Democrats say, no, we will not vote for that infrastructure bill because we want to have a guarantee that the this separate reconciliation, which they're also you know, the Build Back Better Act, which has all of those priorities and $3.5 trillion of money being spent, also has a way to cross the finish line. And so uh, Nancy Pelosi has a, a lot of work cut out for her to get the votes. And from what I'm hearing, they do not have those votes right now on an infrastructure bill but at the same time, they don't want to be the party known as not being able to deliver. And I think that's a big reason why we're actually seeing that continuing resolution likely to pass today, because they do not want to be seen as the party who allowed the government to shut down. A lot of things going on right now. And and we're just as we continue to see this kind of drag out, though, I think it's actually less likely that we're going to see things pass. So lots of big things on the on the agenda in Capitol Hill. There certainly are. So you mentioned infrastructure reconciliation. Those are going to be discussions happening for a little while longer. We'll have to keep our finger on the pulse there. And you touched on the debt ceiling. That was the other thing that was in the headlines. Uh, Janet Yellen talked yesterday to Congress. She said that the Treasury has until about October 18th before they are out of money. Jackie, do you think we're going to get a debt ceiling increase? What's your read on that situation? I think we will. I mean, there's been support on this in the past from both sides, including uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has has voiced support for that before. I think it was just a matter of they did not want to see that rolled into the continued resolution. They were trying to. Uh, uh, there's a lot of stall tactics going on and a lot of puffed chest trying to prove who's who's bigger and who can hold their ground. Um, and and so I think the debt ceiling is part of that uh, that that dance, I guess we'll call it, between some of the minority and majority leaders and and trying to figure out a way to get this so many different things across the finish line. So we're probably not done hearing about the debt ceiling. But in spite of all of this craziness on Capitol Hill, Jackie, a lot of the executive agencies are still working. They are still creating policy. I know you keep in close contact with the folks at USDA. Let's talk about some of the announcements they made. I know they recently unlocked some more funding. Can you speak a little bit about what that's for? Yeah, so just yesterday, Secretary Vilsack was actually speaking at Colorado State University and a, a big announcement that he unveiled was $3 billion from the Commodity Credit Corp, which, uh, you know, the CCC is the is the 
funding box, I guess you want to call it, where USDA can to, can pay farmers, which, you know, in recent years, normally that's the farm bill payments. But uh, in recent years, we've seen the MFP, the trade mitigation payments, and then also the CFAP, the coronavirus aid payments to farmers come out of that CCC fund. But it's usually supposed to be meant to pay farmers directly. Oh. Interestingly, yesterday, um, it, a little kind of different way of using some of those CCC funds, which includes uh, 500, mil um, yeah, 500 million for African swine fever to help with surveillance, surveillance, surveil <laughs> surveillance of, um, but also helping in the Dominican uh, Republic and um, Haiti to prevent further spread to the U.S. as we now have them in the hemisphere. Also some money for drought assistance and, and also port congestion. Obviously a lot of folks have been hearing about port congestion. So money that is not necessarily maybe going directly to farmers. So an interesting way that the USDA is looking to spend some CCC funds. We've also got action coming out of EPA. I know you keep in close contact with those folks as well. And you know, we kind of forget about it as we get towards harvest. But dicamba is still a controversial topic in D.C. Jackie, what are you seeing for dicamba in 2022? So in October 2020, uh, the EPA came out with uh, a new some new requirements to try to limit some of the concerns that farmers were having and, and limiting when they could spray, how they could spray to allow that registration to continue. Uh, and we've, we've still had some concerns from farmers this summer and reports of uh, drifts. And so EPA kind of left the door open that they may need to be readdressing how they allow for farmers to continue to use that. So I feel like there's a little bit of uncertainty as growers head into 2022. EPA Administrator Michael Regan was not able to kind of give that firm commitment of yes, for sure that dicamba will be able to be used for the 2022 growing season, which for farmers is, is unfortunate. It is. And it seems like you're watching this from afar, this dicamba issue, EPA seems like it's always trying to play catch up. They, they, they get complaints and then they act a little bit late in the season. It seems and farmers are thrown for a twirl and then they act again later on. It sounds like that dynamic might play out again next year. Well, and I think that's part of what they're trying to do now is they are uh, working with the companies and looking at that registration, looking at what happened in the 2021 growing season, and hopefully maybe we could get something now in the next couple of months. So at least they would know before they used it next spring. But, you know, as a lot, as you know, a lot of farmers do buy their, their, their seeds yet this fall or early winter, same thing with their, their chemicals. A lot of those purchases are made now, not necessarily next spring. They are indeed. And Jackie, we've got to talk about waters of the U.S. Over the next several months, are we going to get some certainty or at least some guidance from the EPA on what to expect with WOTUS? So, yeah, that was another thing that EPA Administrator Regan discussed last week when he was uh, talking before the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture is that the the agency is looking to propose a rule yet Yet here in the next couple of months, probably by November, uh, there would be some time to have comments received on that rule. And yeah, we'll just see what they come, come out with. So we could get a better idea of at least the direction that they are looking to go, how far they swing that pendulum back and forth, as I've said in the past, of, of what we had under the Obama administration and how we took it the other direction in the Trump administration. And, and now this new Biden administration is going to have to try to find that, that happy, happy spot for making sure that they don't inhibit uh, small producers and farmers from being able to do what they know they can do, but also provide that protection that they need to uh, for environmental. Things to keep an eye on, Jackie. So it'll be November by the time we start to get some updates on WOTUS. I believe that'll be the date. All right. We'll keep an eye out. More news coming out of Washington, D.C. That was Jackie Fatka, the policy editor from Farm Progress, joining us. Jackie, we appreciate it. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk to Ryan Buck, a farmer up in Goodhue, Minnesota, about how harvest is going up in that part of the world. Stay with us. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people 
lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system. See program details at sprayearlyguarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. On road or off road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturer specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value from both your lubricant and equipment investments. Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS Energy Specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. 
Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson here sitting in for Mike Adams as we get ready to turn the calendar into October. We've got farmers running hard across the Corn Belt, getting harvest underway. And today we're going to move up to Minnesota. Talk to Ryan Buck, a farmer outside Goodhue, Minnesota. Ryan, I understand you were getting close to wrapping up soybeans. How's progress coming up there? Uh, hey, Mike. Yeah, we actually, we finished our soybean harvest last night, right around supper time there. Um, brought, brought everything back home, changed oil in the combine, switched the combine over to corn last night. And as we speak right now, we're just, just getting into our first field of corn and just getting things kind of started and set up here. Well, let's talk a little bit about that bean crop, Ryan. You guys there in Goodhue, you were in that part of the country that was really dried out in the middle of the summer, especially as we looked into August. How did your beans end up performing versus your expectations? Um, Expectation-wise, for the amount of rain we had all summer throughout the growing season, we, we actually, we surpassed expectations. I mean, we, we got rain it was really spotty across all of our stuff. You know, sometimes we'd get rain on our northern farms. Sometimes we wouldn't get rain on the southern stuff and vice versa. And, you know, when we did get rain, you know, they'd forecast maybe a half inch or maybe a little more. And all we'd only get a couple tenths. So looking at the crop, crop all summer long, it showed stress. And then we'd get a little rain and it look a little better. But, uh, yeah, as far as yield-wise, we were we were very pleased with what we ended up with. It's incredible what these new genetics can do with just a sprinkling of rain at the right time. Yeah, it is. It really is. Hopefully, right. the markets. Hopefully, the markets don't decide that we don't need rain to grow a good crop. <laughs> right. That'd be really tough to get a summertime <laughs> rally. Ryan, as you mentioned, you're you're nosing your way into corn. Of course, that that summertime dryness, I'm sure, had an impact on yields. What have you seen so far? Or what have you been hearing from your neighbors as they've gotten into that corn crop? Uh, corn, you know, what's been taken out so far as far as the neighbor's stuff looks, looks pretty good. Um, there is going to be some variability, whether, you know, the higher ground did take it in the shorts a little bit. Um, but all in all, the corn crop looks like it's going to be fairly well. How were you guys on disease pressure this year? Did you have anything uh, creating a lot of headaches for you throughout the growing season in that corn crop? Um, we really didn't see any sort of disease pressure on soybeans until late in the season after we got some later August rains. Uh, some white mold ended up showing up in some of our some of our fields in the low-lying areas and different varieties. Otherwise, as far as disease pressure in the corn, we have noticed a little bit of northern corn leaf blight here late in the season and even some tar spot in a few uh, few areas. But I think it came late enough and the crop was mature enough that it really isn't going to have an effect on the yield. Well, that's good news. And of course, growing a crop is half the battle, Ryan, but getting that crop sold is the other half. What's basis doing up in your part of the world? Ethanol plants running hard? Uh, yeah, ethanol plants actually have, probably have the strongest basis right now. I know our the closest ethanol plant to us is they're actually at a positive basis. They were as good as 80 cents above the board price at one point in September here, but it has backed off some. But um, so, yeah, I mean, prices are looking good and hopefully they can stay strong here. Yeah, I think that's the hope for everybody running a combine right now. Ryan, I know you've got a lot of time when you're sitting in the combine, you're, you're making your passes, you're thinking ahead to this next year. We've got all sorts of concerns about input cost climbing. Are you re, uh, renegotiating your acreage mix for this next year yet? Or are you kind of waiting to see how things unfold over the next couple of weeks? Uh, our rotation is probably going to stay pretty close to the same. We did book a lot of our fertilizer here for next year's crop 
back right around the 1st of September and uh, prepaid that early. So we did get um, better prices that way, but uh, it is definitely, we haven't paid for everything, so nitrogen I'm sure will go up. Um, chemicals going to probably go up a bit too, so we'll, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, there's there's more to come. I'm sure that's a fact. Ryan, we talk a lot about labor. A lot of folks have been having trouble getting harvest help. You guys on your farm, I know you farm with your family. Have you been able to to keep everything moving so far in the harvest season? We have. We've we've got there's three of us full time here all the time. So that helps quite a bit and when we need extra help, we have a couple neighbors that uh um, are pretty flexible with their with their other occupations that can help us out too. So, as far as labor wise for us, we're we should be all right. That certainly makes things a little bit easier, Ryan. As we get through the end of this year, we've got prices. It's time to think about you know making some investments in your farm. I'm sure. Is there anything out there that's caught your eye that you'd like to to roll into the the machinery lineup ahead of this next year? Um, you know, we've looked at maybe updating a tractor too. We have, we updated some stuff last year at the end of the year. Um, but you know, with higher grain prices comes higher equipment costs also. So, I mean, as far as updating stuff, we've kept up pretty well over the years. So I think we'll, I mean, there'll be a few things we're going to look at doing something different with, but, um, it won't be, uh, you know, a huge, huge glut of changing things over. That's for sure. No, that's good to hear. And I meant to ask you earlier, Ryan, was your nosing into that corn? What kind of moisture are you seeing? I know we've had some 90 degree days up in your part of the world. Are things drying down pretty substantially? Yeah, what we're into now is in the in the low 20s, you know, 21, 22%. So, um, and it's, gonna, it's supposed to be 85 again today up here. And I think even... Part through, partway through the weekend, too. So it's definitely taking the moisture out of the corn, that's for sure. Yeah, it sure is. Ryan Buck from Good Hue, Minnesota. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And folks, thanks for tuning in. Mike will be back in the big seat tomorrow on Adams on Agriculture. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.